Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is April the 15th of 2020. I am Nick here alongside Chris. Uh, and uh, as we begin this uh, episode of the show, I want to address some concerns that I know that our dear listeners have had. Uh, I know that some of you have been concerned about regarding uh, uh, WMRE's uh, ability to do live shows uh, during the uh, current circumstances. And, uh, uh, well, I've uh, had a talk with the governor and uh, uh, we, the Monger Recap, has been declared an essential business. And uh, on an unrelated note, I'm heading up a super PAC that will uh, be part of a campaign to get Shogun Orochi reelected. It's what's best for the country, goddammit. And uh, so as a result of uh, spending millions of dollars, now we have to, uh, well, save millions of dollars. So uh, we are laying off uh, any non-essential employees. Uh, we are currently furloughing any and all uh, impressions and uh, tangents. will be a pure uh, Wikimaga recap. No references. And uh, we have also come to terms with the release of any and all wrestling references. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that'll be all. I'm sure that, uh, this news will be reacted to very positively yeah. by our, our, our fandom. So. Can I comment on the fact that, no, okay. <laughs> no questions understood. Uh, no, I wanted to comment on the fact that the, the, the super pact you mentioned that, uh, yes. our, our sitting president has brought together, uh, 20 CEOs Shogun, 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 uh, Shogun's brought together uh, 20, 20 CEOs uh, and other members, basically owners of companies and things like that, to help him reopen the country and uh, including like the CEO of JP Morgan Chase and the CEO of Goldman Sachs and I have to think that they, they were looking at the guest list and like they started getting to the bottom and they're like, Roger Goodell <laughs> I mean, I guess. And then they looked directly beneath. They're like, Vince McMahon. What? 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 Who else are we allowing into this meeting? <laughs> All right, Lex Luthor. <laughs> like, oh, it's it does sound like a Bond meeting, like a Bond villain meeting Absolutely. or something like that. Like it's just like Elon Musk is there, so the eccentric tech guy and Vince McMahon, the evil Cardi business. It's just like. You really, you are like almost expected on the guest list, like, oh, Baron Mordo is on there, and <laughs> and Mr. Sinister. You remember when we were young and naive when we started this podcast, mm-hmm. Chris? You know, we were like, what, 22 and 21 or something like that, right around like there. That. And, you know, occasionally we would hear like, there's no, you know, evil, you know, Illuminati or whatever that runs the world or whatever. And now it's like they're putting out press releases and stuff. It's like, ah, <laughs> I enjoyed how I felt about the world before. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's a very weird time. Very weird time. All right. In the wake of the constant stream of bad news, we have uh, a little bit more bad news. But yep, there's a it. Black Clover chapter this week. Bazinga! Gotcha! <laughs> Did you just... No, and now it's even worse because there was a Big Bang Theory reference. Um, <laughs> The, the news that I was going to mention is the next week there is no jump manga. Uh, we might end up doing something else instead. Keep an eye out uh, and we will make an announcement uh, if we're going to do some other stream instead. I'm uh, but considering a one person play on mm-hmm. a reenactment of the Tiger King. Cool. So 
<laughs> I mean, I've never watched it. So. <laughs> you don't need to do a lot of work for it. Oh, no. uh, but there will be no regular weekly Monk recap uh, next week. That said, we are going to get into some, some stuff that is much less consequential. That, that you know, just you know, it'll be a regular weekly Monk recap from now on. We're trying to uh, keep the mood up, guys. So. Oh, I'm not. I'm going to mention sad things about the way the world works <laughs> periodically throughout the episode. I love love those kinds of episodes. Yeah. Cool. All right. My Hero Academia, number 268, Scramble. Uh, last time we uh, set on uh, two big hero moment things with, uh, you know, heroes who were in trouble, Mirko and Hawks, suddenly got saved by uh, Endeavor and uh, Tokoyami, respectively. Uh, we don't see any of that second one, which was the one that I was more interested to see, personally. No um, time. All the pro heroes in the underground is what we are catching up on in this episode. Uh, well, this chapter, I should say. Uh, so we get a little bit uh, of a flashback going on in this uh, to when Endeavor uh, and Aizawa showed up to back up useless-ass crust. Um He's in the top 10 heroes. Yeah, I was to say, he's like the number seven hero of all time. So cool. Uh, and uh, Aizawa um, uses his quirk to erase the regeneration of one that's given them a lot of trouble. Fighting breaks out. Uh, one of the Nomus makes the noise mia when uh, his uh, head is crushed. Um, and uh, then Endeavor's like, uh, hey, there's one in the back there. Go finish that one off. And this is the one with the tentacle tendril things that uh, managed to snare Mirko's leg. Uh, but it's in the present now. And uh, she has continued on after getting free of it. And she's like, the second I saw this guy, my body instinctively knew. My rabbit survival instincts told me that this dude is bad news. This thing, it can't be released into the world no matter the cost. We get a full page spread of uh, Shigaraki in the tank. Uh, already looking very pleased with himself, despite the fact that he is supposedly catatonic. He's just loving, living life. It's like, ah, oh, it feels great in here. You know what the I could, the best part about having no lips is? Don't need chapstick. I can just throw them all away. <laughs> Why did you have so much chapstick? <laughs> He's like, you want to know what my real power was before this? What? Was being able to what? finish a tube of chapstick without losing it. I finished <laughs> like three or four of them, and it has to be a superpower. <laughs> so... Mirko launches this big ass axe kick, breaking into the container while the uh, completion status is at a mere 74%. Um, one of the remaining high end Nomus uh, quickly analyzes the quirks of the heroes that have come in, and uh, she determines that uh, Aizawa's ability must be the one that is nullifying her. So. And she quickly determines, okay, what happens? You know, he hasn't touched me. Well, he's hiding his eye, so maybe eye contact is what does it. So how do I undo the, the effect? All right. And she just breaks the, the eye contact by dodging around some uh, containers. And immediately she's got her quirk back. And uh, so they're like, holy shit, you know, that 
that gnome would just immediately figure it out uh, how to, you know, deal with uh, my quirk. So this is bad. Um, the Nomu uh, gets pierced through the arm by some uh, by like a well Cyclops. I patch Cyclops. Let's just call yeah. him that. Um, I, I assume that would be his superhero name if he wouldn't immediately get them into trouble with Marvel if they did that. Yeah, I patch Cyclops. <laughs> uh, but uh, she doesn't seem to be bothered by this at all. Instead, reflecting on the fact that her mind and body feel very clear. She feels amazing. And then um, her something swells up. Her cow? I, it's like I, thighs. The first time I looked at this, I legitimately was like, all right, so Horikoshi's like into inflation. Because I thought that was her butt. I thought her butt expanded really big and then shot death everywhere. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. I guess if we're just saying Fujimoto could do whatever he wants to do in Chainsaw Man, maybe we've just lifted sanctions for everybody. Uh, but yeah, she sends out like spears of liquid everywhere by exploding, swelling up and exploding her legs like water balloons bursting, basically. Uh, and uh, the tentacle thing latches onto Mirko again over in the room that uh, the doctor's in, but she just keeps on going and smashes her leg into the tank again with her Luna Arc ability. And uh, the console just starts to like explode and everywhere, but she then gets dragged away uh, by the tentacles. Fortunately, Endeavor arrives at that time, uh, and um, I think that he catches her as she's propelled into him, judging by, well, I don't know, maybe he grabs her and thrusts them in because... The doctor seems upset by the trajectory they take. So Nick action happens in this chapter and I don't know anything else. I don't know what action is being accomplished in most of it. I could just tell it is sure happening. It's uh, two chapters in a row that this action scene has been confusing. So, uh, but the doctor is very upset, uh, because the tank is fractured and water is leaking out of it. Uh, but Mirko says to endeavor as they land, Finish him off, because Shigaraki's in there in the old fart, too. We can't let Shigaraki wake up. And that's where the chapter ends. So. It's looking bad, because uh, there is a panel where it looks as though um, they're. I can't think they're talking about where uh, present Mike and she and uh, Aizawa seem to remembering what their friend told them before. And his fractured sentences. So it seems like everyone's like, oh, we are fucked if things go this way. So it seems like the tide may be, out, may be about to turn. We saw what Shigaraki could do even before all the experiments, you know, modified him and stuff. How powerful is he going to be after this? So. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to get some pretty crazy stuff coming up soon. Otherwise, why would the series have made such a big deal out of like, and that's the day that heroes stopped existing or something like that. Right. So they took a vacation. Mm hmm. I, 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 that'd be infuriating if that's what the thing meant like they beat Shigaraki without ever having to fight him and then they all celebrated with some some Yakuba like, alright okay let's move on to Actage it's chapter 109 TV commercial it's about a TV commercial whoa 
Who could have seen that coming? So uh, Kay has just met with uh, someone who is going to be working with her on this commercial project. Uh, child actress who has apparently done a lot of commercial work. Uh, she is upset with Kay for treating her like a child because she's like, oh, you're so cute. Do you want some candy and stuff? She's like, treat me like your senpai. Uh, Sasatsuki, the young girl, um, you know, is getting mad at Kay. And uh, Arisa comes in and is like, this is Sasuke Mano. Don't you recognize her? And Kay recognized her from a TV commercial she did. I have no idea what the fuck product this could be for. <laughs> but where she dressed up like a chrysalis. And Kay's like, you're chrysalis. And Satsuki's like, I was chrysalis half a year ago. Now I'm a butterfly. Okay. Mm. I mean, I get it, but what what's the commercial for? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as for uh, caterpillar snacks. I mean, we deal. Look, Chris, we're going to deal with a lot of pupas and insect evolution already this week. So that's not I guess let's not go too far in this. Tangent. Let's no. Let's follow this trail. What okay. what what commercial would you need to be uh, to show the metamorphosis process in? Because that's that's I mean, the idea. She she was chrysalis and now she's a butterfly. So that that shows a stage of evolution. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's a matter of needing it. I mean, you know what this made me think of? Maybe think of how Mr. Planters died and reincarnated into a baby peanut. And that was to advertise fucking peanuts. So <laughs> you- this could be for literally anything. This could be like Dryer lint. <laughs> Do you ever stop to think about how that was the, the high point of 2020? <laughs> that it was all downhill after Baby Nut. It was all, it was all his fault. <laughs> oh, God damn, Baby Nut! He's taking everything from us. Actually, we did get the actually we did get the uh, Chiefs comeback that same night. So yeah. would have had to be something after him. Damn. All right. So um, anyway, Aris is like, you're gonna go shoot a commercial now, right now. And uh, Kay's like, what, Akira too? And Akira's like, no, my mom just wanted me to come along. <laughs> okay. We gotta, look, we have to involve this character. He's a very important character. We have to involve him. Does he act? No, not not yet. He will one day. He's gonna, he's gonna act your goddamn tits off. Well, two things. Uh, one, uh, Kay and Akira do have a strong rapport mm-hmm. at this point where he has given her advice. And two, Iker is more used to being like a celebrity than Kay is. So I'm sure that there will be something that he some perspective that she can gain from him, despite the fact that this little brat is supposed to be the one that she's learning from. I do appreciate that Kay is spending a lot of her time with Satsuki, like getting down to her level, crouching next to her, kneeling down in front of her and stuff like that. It makes her really seem like, you know, she's used to dealing with kids, which she is. So. Uh, we get a flashback from Iris's perspective, talking with Kurayama about the commercials that Kay has been offered. Uh, and, uh, basically Kurayama's like, we use actors to make projects to influence people's feelings. In that sense, movies and ads are similar. They're both equally irredeemable. I mean, 
Not really. <laughs> They're different media forms, dude. The, <laughs> the more Kuriyama talks, the more I just fucking hate him. What a fucking pretentious cock. Isn't, uh, isn't all culture kind of evil when you think about it? Like, yet you participate in culture. Hmm. He's like, that's to deconstruct it from the... Oh, fuck off. That's, I've read Catcher in the Rye once. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he points out that Yunagi uh, case style is not suited for commercials. An actor like her might be happier honing her acting in some little theater. But Aris is like, why do you get to decide that? Is that how it be, uh, is that how it was now? You've developed some paternal qualities for a bachelor. But she says, as long as actor remains a commercial enterprise, actors are products. We live and die by that reality. We can struggle and choose the ways in which we fight. So I'll do my best because I don't want to remain your debt. So a much more cooperative uh, Arisa we're seeing um, seemingly largely as a result of how the play turned out mm. uh, for the way the influence that it's had on Kay's career and Chiyoko's already. So, but yeah, I mean, like, I just remember like, you know, Arisa was kind of like the, uh, very harsh, but realistic person at the beginning of this series. And Kuriyama had all the cool things to say. And now it's like, huh, Arisa seems way more likable, despite the fact that she's still kind of an antagonist. So. I can't, like in my mind, I can't ever view her as the antagonist. I'm like, she's, the one good person in this series. Team. She's the only person in a position of power that seems to actually give any sort of like thought to actors as people. Right. She's the, um, what do you call the, um, she's the skeptic in the cast, mm -hmm. but she's also not a harsh skeptic. You know, she's like, okay, look, you've got realities to deal with and I'm your manager. That's what I fucking do. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, they're being driven to the uh, shoot. Nobody in the back is wearing a seatbelt. Bad fucking form. One of them's a There's child, no too. This is ridiculous. Yeah. That's absurdly dangerous. You know what? Um, Maybe this is a meta commentary on the fact that Act Age doesn't take the life of its characters very seriously and is constantly endangering them. <laughs> we've got fewer manga to talk about this week. We can talk about more <laughs> stuff like this. <laughs> Nick, what was the first car your family ever owned? Let's start talking about nostalgia. I mean, it depends on how you count them. So <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so Arisa points out like, all right, you've become a, an actor who, you know, gets offers like this from big companies and uh, how you're going to sell yourself. That's going to determine your career in the general talent world. But Kuriyama is going to leave that to my discretion. Uh, and uh, so Akira kind of like whispers to his mother, like, this is like a really big project. So if he's having you manage her, isn't he, you know, just like giving up the profit for that? And Arisa explains he's a doting parent. And that's basically it. So because, of course, Akira wasn't there for the whole conversation she had with him before. Sasaki starts saying some more bratty stuff. Um, this girl is like still not very likable. Um, she says that she points out, hey, you know, Kay's been acting for a very short period of time still. Uh, but she says, you got some praise for your performance in a movie and a play. So what? Celebrities earn their stripes in TV. I mean, some do. Like, 
I, I've heard some people say that maybe this is a very different culture in Japan, uh, where I guess like commercials and things like that might be where they they kind of blossom a lot more. There, there, there is a truth to this in a, like in American entertainment, where oh, more recently movies or, or rather television shows have kind of become the gateway access for a lot of people. Um, it still pales in comparison. The biggest movie stars are always bigger than the biggest TV stars. Absolutely. Uh, but it's, it's, it's certainly a place where a lot more names are now kind of coming out like Brian Cranston and, and these people who, you know, um, Oh God, with John Hamm, like these are people who had movie roles before this, nothing significant. And now they're considered like a list kind of people. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. But, uh, Sasuke says, "Like Look, you they know, have to try. They have to try to make us think the water commercial is the most important fucking thing Kay's going to be doing in her life right now. So right. they have to sell it up real hard." Kay realizes because Arisa had told her that this is a path that Chiyoko's been down. So she imagines herself in like Chiyoko like roles, which goes to show like how weird of a fit it is uh, for her. Uh, but she's like, oh, <laughs> you know. Um, but Arisa says becoming famous doesn't always bring happiness in the acting world. You already understand that, don't you? And, you know, Kay remembers her conversation with other producer guy. And, uh, she's like, but even so I still want to do it because she thinks about her conversation with Chiyoko and how they want to keep on acting, competing, even when they're old women. So, uh, so they arrive at the shoot and we learned that it is for, the one and only Motoy Pharmaceuticals. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of staff there. Uh, there's a, a middle-aged man in, in a suit who greets Kay, and he's the sponsor. Satsuki, uh, you know, properly greets him and stuff. And Akira explains, you know, that the sponsor is actually the person who picked her for this commercial. Um, and you know, Kate's like, Oh really? Oh, okay. Uh, the man then mentions her, not that you would, but from now on, it's imperative that nobody sees you using our competitors products. When you do an ad for us, you become our product basically is the way that Arius, you know, points out. And of course this is a real thing, yeah. you know, like the, you, I've seen it happen, you know, like, you know, like athletes at conferences, like we'll put on a baseball cap that has a logo that is, you know, from someone who is, you know, a competitor of their sponsor and they get in trouble for yeah. it because it's like they're endorsing a product in direct competition to the one they've been paid to endorse. So, you know, I totally understand Kay's, you know, reaction to this of like, oh, this is potentially giving up control of my life in a way <laughs> like you know which you know if you're careful about it you can still do what the fuck ever like you know if nike were to you know pay me a bunch of money i could still wear adidas's at home if i really wanted to yeah you know it's but you've got to be careful about it so there's a very poignant conversation that can be had about that and i think it is best uh summed up by Cody Rhodes getting a gigantic tattoo of his family logo on his oh neck. <laughs> Look, we spend our entire lives being branded, Nick. Why not brand yourself with your own logo uh, in the most and, shockingly uh, obvious position you can place it? 
Well, no, but that's the point, yeah, Chris. See, because it. it's a, it's on his neck, so it, literally his neck is on the line. You know, you can't hide it. It's always there. I love how immediately after he got that tattoo, Brandy was like, "I don't really like it." <laughs> it's like. Cody, that's the woman who kisses you every day, and she will be looking at that tattoo every day, and she doesn't like yeah. it. <laughs> She's, you know, gave the very mature, you know, like he can get whatever, whatever tattoo he wants, but <laughs> but oof, man, hideous, hideous. When Nicole saw your mustache, she was like, "I love it, Nick. You're never allowed to get a mustache like that." And I was like, "Yes, dear." <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm I'm having this mustache for the both of us, Nick. I'm I'm living yeah, vicariously go. for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, you you can be Scott Dawson for both of us. Or Say whatever yeah. Uh, Dax yeah. Hardwood, Hardwood, I think it is. I think that he's the one who's got that. Yeah. yeah. And Cash Wilder is what right. Dash Wilder. I think something very similar. Or no, Cash Wheeler. That's such. I mean, that is the most '80s name. Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood. <laughs> I like I can't even say anything negative about it. No. Like it's like, it's like awesome. Do it's it. immune to critique. It's perfect in every single way. I'm like Cody's neck tattoo, <laughs> which brings us back to the commercial. Exactly. So Kay also, you know, thinks about you know Chioko and uh, how you know. Because she's attached to a lot of corporations, you know, anything that happens to her would affect companies' profits. So uh, we cut to the actual shooting of the commercial, and Kay is running on the beach. She runs to the water and she shouts out, I hate it! And then Satsuki approaches her and he's like, Big sister! And she's got their branded water. She offers Kay a bottle of water and they drink it together. And they're like, Good! Perfect! And Sasuke is, you know, very professional and everything. And then the director's like, all right, now we'll do the real take. And Kate's like, what is my motivation? <laughs> What's happening? Why am I running? She's, I do love, like, because it's like, I've seen commercials like this. Like, I don't know if you've seen that one, like, I think it was like a makeup commercial that Natalie Portman did that was set to, to Sia's chandelier, where it, it seemed like it was like a romance movie trailer or something like that. And I'm like, what is happening in this? <laughs> There are some commercials that are like this where it's just like, what is going on? <laughs> and you're like, no, no, it doesn't matter. The product is the star. Just buy this. Yeah. And it's like, no, why did you start off with this narrative structure? What? What is? She, why does the water relieve her? What is she upset about that the water gets her comfort from? What is going on? <laughs> I love I love advertising. There's, there's another alternate reality where I absolutely got into advertisement because I find advertising fascinating. Because a lot of the time, the best way to succeed in advertising is to make bad things because it gets people talking. So you make a commercial with zero structural relevance. What was it like a puppy diaper monkey baby yeah, or something like that? Yeah, yeah. puppy turkey monkey baby or so whatever. Uh, to this day, there look, there have been a lot of big mistakes throughout history. I would still say the biggest was insurance canceling Aaron insurance as their mascot yes! because people were making too much porn of her. And I was like, that's the best reason why you should continue doing this. People are drawing art of your advertising character. It is free real estate, my friend. Take it and run. <laughs> oh, man. 
I mean, like there are some rebranding things that make sense. I do like that, you know, when like Affleck was like, people know what the Affleck duck is, but they don't know what we actually do. So I assume it was like a to... nasal spray. <laughs> right. So we ha- so they were like, we have to make the actual, you know, we do like, you know, we help people who to get basically extra money when they're uh, injured and, and stuff, you know, workers insurance the stuff. And it's like, we have to make that more of a subject in the commercials. But we're keeping that fucking duck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right. So Kay asks some very important plot based questions. And the director and she's like, you know, you're saying that Sharewater is good at the end. And this girl I, I'm portraying, she smiles because of that. And the director's like, yes. And because we want the audience to drink it. And Kay just thinks to herself, Am I the only one who's confused? <laughs> I don't think, I mean, like, cause this is, you know, Kay's whole thing is like, can she do a role if she can't understand the character, not her own experiences? And it's, you know, but honestly, this is the most relatable I have ever found her. Oh, <laughs> so. man. I don't, do I say something or am I going to look like the idiot? <laughs> and of course, Iris is like, I knew it, you know, you, you see, this is, there is a way forward, Kei Yonaki, you must find it. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, this is, I think, going to actually be really interesting to me, because it's like, she's a serious actor who does method acting, and you're asking her to get into this really banal bullshit that is de- that is designed purely to sell a product, so. I think this actually, look, what? One, I'm interested in this arc primarily because the chances of something life-threateningly traumatic happening to Kay in this arc is probably pretty low. They're probably not going to be like, well, the director's taking it upon themselves to dig into some of her deep-rooted trauma and just start handling it on stage in front of people. That's probably not going to happen. The director's like, the thing that you hate and you're shouting at the ocean for, is there anything in your life that makes you angry? He's like, well, my dad cheated on my mom, and I found out if she dies. Like, use that! Use use your father's abandonment as your reason for wanting to drink this water! Goes, she goes to the ocean, she's like, I hate it! And Satsuki's like, here, big sister, get the fuck away from me! <laughs> Starts crying as she looks like this. Your dad's a whore! <laughs> Just and then like the director rips. Yeah, I'm a real sister. The director rips his mask off and it's Kuriyama and he's like, "Yes, you found the yeah, true dude. test inside of this commercial." <laughs> All right, All right, Chris. Let's talk about Eden Zero. Let's talk about Eden Zero. Oop! I clicked on Fairy Tale. That's not the right one. Eden Zero, oh. they're very different though. Eden Zero, chapter ninety. Uh, it's still loading up for a second here for me. I don't know. What... This Pino's enough. No sense to me. All right, Chris. yeah. Chapter ninety, sis- sister versus Daichi. So yeah, let's let's talk about Pino's analysis. I think here we have to establish firmly that Pino's analysis is from her point of view. That has to In be. which case, she thinks Wise is the dumbest motherfucker on the ship. <laughs> like, she really... Which is... It's amusing. Yes. Like... Also, not sure what defense means. I'm not... Is he good at taking a punch? I guess he didn't die when his arm was cut off. I don't really know what defense implies. 
It might be the fact that he wears armor and his, you know, Iron Man thing. So I, I guess. Also, his thievery is a three, so I guess he's just kind of an okay thief. When has he stolen stuff? Was it was it like early he... on. They haven't really addressed that in a while. No. But he did early on steal things. I, yeah, it is It is odd that his intelligence is marked as a two, though, when he's supposed to be one of the smartest people on the ship. Right. I'm really curious. I really hope when it's time for Shiki. Oh, did Shiki already get his? Was he the first one? Yeah. Uh, he was the first one. I was going to yeah. say, if his was like five, she's just like, he's the coolest and smartest on the ship. He's my master. <laughs> he's great. Oh, man. Well, anyway, let's start talking about this chapter, Nick. A chapter that nobody's discussing because it is very uncontroversial. So we open up. Uh, we're following Cheeky and Rebecca and a bunch of other characters as they're going to get uh, Labelia. As she's being held captive uh, from previous world, she was being tortured. So they're going to get to her. Everyone sees like a bunch of like intruders coming down. So they're like, they get no weapons out. And then we see like Rebecca like activating happy and wise reaching to grab his gun. And Pino's like, ha! like she gets like karate hands out. And then Shiki just runs past him and beats them all up though. Um, so there we go. Basically uh, a couple people show up and then they get shot. Doesn't really matter. Pino's going to just like, figure out where Labilia is being kept. We cut over to Daichi versus sister. And she slashes him with her IV sword and it cuts holes in his butt pants and shows his butt yep. and it's bruised because it's like yep. a spanking. Yep. And he gets yep. really aroused. He's like, ooh, yep. maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm a switch. I don't know. Maybe I'm an M instead of an S, yeah. He's mm. like, ooh, I can't resist it anymore, though. And he, he wants torture, and his little markings appear on his face, activating his ether gear. And the vines start coming up, and they wrap around Sister. Oh, no! His ether gear pains tree, and she, she's moaning. She's like, ah, it hurts. And he's like, ah, you feel pain. And he asks how she likes to be tied up, but he does, he, he poses a bunch of times. Uh... And sister's like, nah, I'm gonna kill you. And he's like, oh, you can't kill me. I'm too shy. Blah blah blah. Does a bunch of like intimidation shit. Uh, and then sister's like, ah, yeah, you're you're actually pretty good at this. It's good to be intimidating when you're in this role. And then she dispels all of the branches. And he's like, wait. Well, actually, first, let me describe how she exactly describes it. Hold on, I, what the fuck? It's bleh, my powers fixes. There's got to be a typo in this. <laughs> I was sure. like, it's blah, my, fa my, pa she essentially says, my power fixes abnormal status effects. I reset my bind status and I, I can't, I can't falter because Eden Zero is essentially a video game. So why wouldn't Basically. it function on video game logic? But immediately, Daichi's like, wait a minute, you were tied up. Remember that one rule we established for Ether Gear users? The one rule. If they're tied up, they can't use their powers because it's my fetish. Um, but, but Sister's like, the four shining stars don't use Ether Gear. She says it might be a better phrase, might be Ether op Optimization. And in truth... That makes sense. They are they are robots. They don't use ether gear as we traditionally yes. understand it. They would have a different way of functioning on it. 
I want to see if this same fucking rule comes into effect the next time Hamora needs to get tied up. If she could be like, well, I could still use my powers. I'm a shining star. That's what we do. Yeah. They just like, you know, gave me the, you know, the badge that lets me do yeah. it. <laughs> and then sister says, you know, I thought I just kind of went along with you trying to torture me because I wanted to see what it was like to be the victim once in a while. But that's not really fun. I definitely prefer being on top. But she has like her cool little pose. And I'm like, I, I guess that's a double entendre. I don't really know what you're kind of getting at there. But hey. Uh, I think it would have been, been better if she had said something like, I prefer to come out on top or something like that. So they would actually be, yeah, you know, could it, it could be construed as a double entendre. As, as, a, so. as opposed to her just saying, I want to mount you, but not in any actual <laughs> physical way, basically. Uh, so she heals him. All the pain in his butt's gone and everything. She's healing him. And then he explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, and that's how we learned that too much healing can be bad for us. Because the expanded energy causes an explosion inside the body. Literally, I read this and was just like, sure, fine, <laughs> whatever, don't care. Just, whatever. Sure. Okay. If this were, you know, another series, then I'd be like, that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> but in this case, like, whatever, bye. <laughs> Um, and then basically she's just going to, I guess, keep healing him and do this over and over again, because that's the kind of person she is, our hero. And, and she makes a, a, a bit of a porn face. Yeah, so. yeah, well, we got to. Uh, then we cut over to Laguna against Witch, and she's like, hey, you're really strong, but when you don't have a reason to want to fight us, then you can never kind of beat us. And she talks about how, like, oh, you were once an actor, and then suddenly you left show business, and you're here. Just further cementing the idea that Laguna is the only character in this group that's really going to matter going forward. Maybe Sylph, if she's actually got a relation to Jin. But otherwise, clearly Laguna is going to have a backstory. We're going to find out about some stuff later on. He's not actually evil. We get over to find Labilia. She's okay. And that's kind of interesting to Rebecca because she's like, wait a minute. In World 29, at this point... You had been tortured, and looks like you had been tortured for a while. Like, you were in a pretty bad shape. So why is she hurt at all? What's going on? And then who should show up but Sabir? And in this universe, maybe he'll be evil again. Hmm. Well, I wonder if the idea they're trying to go for is that Sabir is also... is it Like, maybe because he was erased from one timeline or something like that, he has this ability to kind of pick up on time. Because he was able to find the heroes last time, relatively. Like, hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe he has some kind of power in there. I'm sure that there will be more explaining. Soon, oh, yeah. So. Next chapter will be a lot. I actually am kind of interested to find out what Sabir's role in this was. I thought he was pretty interesting that they brought him back. So I am curious to see it. This fight was stupid, uh, and I would like to not think about it anymore. Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Uh, I do appreciate the where, you know, this chapter makes Rebecca seem observant and smart because she's like, wait a minute, this is all wrong. You know, so, uh -huh. yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, by the way, uh, intelligence uh, measurements for the other three profiles that we've gotten so far. Uh, Shiki, two. OK. Rebecca, three. And Happy, three. So Rebecca and Happy are considered smarter than wise, which, to be fair, 
intelligence is kind of a weird thing to grasp. You know, it's that whole like yes. Dungeons and Dragons intelligence versus wisdom thing. Maybe what they're trying to say is he's not very wise because I feel like he's very smart. Wise, but wise isn't wise. He openly said in that chapter, I just didn't bring it up when they find the billy. He's like, I thought she'd be more tortured. I was kind of looking forward to seeing lewd things. You're like, what a horrible thing to say. Considering the context that you know everything in, I don't know why you would have opened your mouth and spoken those words out loud, even if for some reason that thought came in dread. And maybe that's why his intelligence is a two, because that's a very, very dumb thing to say. Okay. So, I believe we were told this guy's name last time, but I've forgotten it already. Isn't that like uh, Boomface McBoomerton? It basically is like it's a, it's a crazy weird name. So Mashal chapter 12, Mash Van Dead and the signs of love. So Mash is sitting eating a cream puff while um, his new rive friend companion Person. fellow student is sitting next to him uh, along with the girl that uh, he saved. And she's uh, you know being out shy well well he's like all oh, girls talking to me oh my knees are touching the he's like wait hang on hang on, hang on. Uh, cool play cool play he literally is just shouting himself stay cool 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 shouting it out loud to himself and so you know the girl's like wow this guy's a freak did you say something oh i was marveling how manly and wonderful you are i said wow you're fantastic it sounded shorter than that. No, that's what I said. <laughs> I do love that. It sounded shorter than that. Nope, I said you're fantastic and awesome. So, you know, she's like, oh, you're amazing. And he starts, you know, like, pounding his face into the ground into his fist. And she says to herself, with my magic, I can make anyone even slightly attracted to me fall in love. And now he's mine. Though maybe I didn't even use magic to ensnare this one. And you're next, Mushroom Head. And she starts trying to put the moves on on uh, Mash. He's like, oh, you're so kind. You were a great help. Mash says, truthfully, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he literally did nothing to save her last chapter because Boomface McExplosion did it all himself. So she's like, there's no way that he's not attracted to me. I mean, come on. Uh, so fine, I'll put more magic energy into it. And she takes his hand like, that's not true. You helped me. And she's got, come on, you know, no man can resist. And Mash says, I really didn't do anything, though. (laughs) (laughs) He's just being honest. So she decides he doesn't find me attractive. Well, he can die then. Fine. Well, I've got this guy following me. So... Boomface is like, is there something wrong? I'm being threatened. By whom? A second year by the name of Silva. Silva being the screws and eyebrow guy that we met over the last couple of chapters. Uh, And she says he wants me for a type of magic only I can use. So he's been following me and I don't want to be involved in it. But some try to force me. You know, like does crocodile tears like I don't know what to do. And Boomface is like, it's going to be all right. I'm going to beat the snot out of that guy. But uh, Silva immediately shows up and basically is like, heard you talking shit. And just <laughs> he appears to have some sort of diamond ability. So the thing that we saw last time where, you know, he summoned like some rocks out of the ground to attack uh, Mash. He seems to summon crystals of some sort. While Boomface summons explosions, of course. So they have uh, a square off 
Boomface tries to use a bunch of explosions, uh, and he basically goes, Daka, 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 launches a bunch of them. Uh, and there's a huge explosion that is visible from over the treetops. And he's like, yeah, die twice. He's flipping off uh, the, the area where Silva was. Uh, the girl is reacting in some measure of surprise and mashes in the cream puff. <laughs> is that now he was told not to store them in his pocket anymore because that's unhygienic. Where were they? Is he, <laughs> I think he's still storing them in his pocket. <laughs> I think that he uh, lied to Lance about getting rid of them. Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a fibber. He just likes those cream puffs too much. They're his main vice. I really I love the idea that that stupid joke from early on has become like half of Mash's personality recently. Where he's just he likes cream puffs. he's just really kind of only involved in cream puffs now. So we actually get a meanwhile, which I'm very happy with because it's like I I mean I they basically Lemon said like. We're going to keep our distance from you, Mash. So I was thinking we weren't going to see her and Finn for this whole thing. But no, characters aside from Mash are allowed to interact with each other. This is nice. And Finn, she, and, Finn and Lemon are have just attached themselves to Lance. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Indistinguishable words for the most part. Just... <laughs> and I just love Lance being like, stop. Please <laughs> go. Uh, he's just like standing there while her latched on to him, and then Lance is like, "Wonder if he's doing okay." He's like, oh, don't leave. <laughs> so Boomface is like, "Ha! Guess you were just all talk." But the smoke, of course, clears, uh, and there is a crystalline shell surrounding Silva. And he declares, your puny magic can't break through mine. And does the same thing he did uh, to Mash, to uh, Boomface. Summons a spire of crystal underneath him, straight into the stomach. Makes blood come out of uh, his mouth. Uh, and knocks him knocks him back. Uh, he doesn't get completely uh, knocked out by this. He's still on his feet. But uh, a, sh- a sh- piece of shrapnel goes flying. And knocks the cream puff out of Mash's hand. And splats on the ground behind him. Silva mocks Boomface, saying, Ah, oh, come on, I thought you were going to kill me. Try harder. You're just a moron. You, you, even a moron like you can tell wh- when they've seen the difference in our skills. He starts laughing. And Mash looks. And his hand is still empty, poised to where he was putting the creep up to his mouth. And he just goes, Oh. Let's <laughs> see the chapter. I hope... I hope Mash is able to help Renji defeat him. Can we just start calling him Renji? He hasn't used his Bankai yet, though. Give him some time. Yeah, but that's fine because Renji's Bankai sucked. It sucked until he got his actual Bankai, <laughs> pretty much. Yes. Um, I liked this chapter. Mm-hmm. I was very short and sweet. Um, but it's very much a transition to the next one. I like how you know every we're we're getting to know these new characters bit by bit. Um, and it's still, you know, entertaining as we're doing it. So, yeah. All right. Uh, mission Yuzakura family mission 32 Nanao's medicine part one. Chris, when I read this title, I was so excited. (laughs) A story focusing on one of the siblings that will last multiple chapters. What a gift. (laughs) What have I done to earn this? I must have been a real good boy this Christmas. 
No call for Nick. Yippee. <laughs> Instead, I get to enjoy my favorite character having more than one chapter at a time, presumably in a chapter where everything isn't an elaborate spy training mission for Tayo. Oh, my God. If this girl whips off her mask and it's actually Kyoichiro in disguise giving Tayo a test, I will fly to Japan and cough on Hitsuji Gondaira. <laughs> That's a pretty indicting thing to say, too. I like that. I like that you're going full in with the threats. <laughs> so, um, we found out in this chapter that Nanao actually attends high school with uh, Mutsumi and uh, Tayo. Uh, although Tayo realizes, come to think of it, Nanao is kind of a hard person to miss. Why do I never see them at school? I know that he's in a different year than us, but why do I never see him? And uh, but Mutsumi is like, hey, okay, I'll, I'll help you with your clothes. And then now injects himself with something naturally, and like his body starts to pulsate and weird shapes form in his musculature. His bones seem to change structure, and uh, finally he's shrunk, and his bucket head is too big for his his new head now, and uh, he's uh, a little cute boy. With heterochromia. Uh, and uh, so Tayo's like, oh my god, who the fuck are you? Are you still Nanao? And Musumi explains, this is Nanao in school mode. Because, you know, a three meter tall first year student would stand out too much. Good point. <laughs> but sometimes the swelling uh, isn't always uh, fully effective. And even now he's got this big baseball sized zit basically but they go to school together and uh in class later in the day as um tayo is studying guns in class i guess uh he gets he gets a, a call from nanao and uh tayo hears uh, some like banging and glorping over the line so nanao asks him to come to the biology club uh, and so he goes in there. And he's like, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a freaking like this is a cool biology club. If they've got like exotic fish and an iguana. Yeah. Nice. So he finds the now and oh, the weird pulsating stuff from his transformation before is just swelling out of his back. And now is like collapsed on the ground. And he's like, I'm feeling kind of unwell. Uh, so. Uh, he's like, I, I couldn't, you know, breach. I can't reach my medicine now. So here, just, you know, in, in, inject it, make sure that it gets through my skin. And uh, he starts to recover. But suddenly uh, a girl comes in through the doorway. Uh, this uh, who is another member of the biology club in the same year as now. Uh, her name is Renee. And she has an awesome snake that she wears as a scarf. Uh, by the way, I love this girl. And nothing bad better happen to her. <laughs> I'm just saying that for <laughs> later on. Uh, also, she calls her snake Basilisk because, of course, she does. So, Renee, uh, because uh, now is collapsed, is like, oh, did you faint? Okay, here. You, well, let me check your temperature. And she, like, puts their heads together and is, like, examining him and stuff. And, uh, of course, now starts to get embarrassed and blushes and stuff like that. Um, but after she verifies that uh, he's doing all right, she's like, no, go to the nurse's, nurse's office. I'll take care of the animals. Feel better. Uh, and um, so now puts his shirt back on and they're going to go to the nurse's office. And Tayo's like, she didn't seem to notice me. And now explains Kitasato doesn't have any interest in humans or mammals. So now is a dinosaur. Gotcha. OK. 
Now, uh, explains a bit more about his ability. The fact that, of course, you know, he has all these immunities to different poisons and stuff like that. He demonstrated that on that one mission that uh, Ty was involved with before. Uh, and he's like, but it's hard to keep this under control. Like a pimple during puberty, I can't keep it in check. So my mutated form is actually easier to maintain. And that's why I normally look like that. But when I'm at school, I force my body to return to normal by taking strong medicine. But lately, my tolerance to the medicine has gotten stronger and stronger. So, like, he's doing stuff like, you know, he's, like, chanting a human's base DNA sequence to kind of, like, keep himself grounded and stuff. Because uh, he says, when I do this, it makes me feel like I'm like everyone else, like I'm a normal human being. But I know that I'm almost at my limit. So I think that I might just take this permanent vaccine. And when I do, my mind and body will never be unstable again. But I'll never be able to return to this form again. So Ty's like, well, what are you going to do about school? But... And now explains, I mean, I'll just, you know, have to stop going because, you know, I can't risk, you know, you know, either way, you know, I'm at risk of discovery because I could mutate in front of people. So, you know, I wanted to attend, uh, you know, for my own reasons and I wanted to go to college, but, you know, it's not necessary for me to do that for the family business. But Tayo's like, but if you quit school, he'll never see that girl again that he's clearly got a big 15 year old boner on for. So, uh, Whatever. Tayo started this series by getting married to a girl, so I'm not going to judge him being, you know, involved in people's romances. But, but, uh, so then I was like, I guess I'll, you know, call up Kyoichiro so that we can start, you know, getting me withdrawn from school. But Tayo symbolically closes up the case for the vaccine and, uh, he's like, hey, you've been helping me so much. You know, I didn't realize, you know, the burden that you've been carrying this entire time. So, if you can use this at any time, then that means you don't need to use it right now. So why don't we just give it a bit more time and I'll help to, you know, keep your secret. And so we get a bit of a montage of Tayo following an hour around during his day. And every time he has an attack, uh, Tayo will like shoot him with a dart that has the vaccine in it. Um, so, you know, helping him keep his secret and following him around and stuff. And this is, you know, just like, hey, he's got his super spy skills and this is how it will affect his school life, uh, you know, stuff. Uh, but then at the end of the day, uh, someone's like, Hey, have you seen, you know, Renee, the girl from biology club? And she said, well, she said the snake wasn't feeling well. So she went to go check up on it. I wonder what, and she, we see that, uh, the snake has bitten into a capsule of Nanaos and she's like, I got it to purge it immediately, but it looks like it's in pain. So I wonder what's going on. So she makes her, starts to make arrangements to take the snake to the vet but it starts to swell up behind her. Ooh. So yeah, quite like this chapter, and I look forward to more of this story that did not involve Kyoichiro in any way. No. So I, I enjoyed this one a lot. I, I really like that. I, like I feel like this is kind of the attitude most chapters of Mission Juice Occur family should take. One, where we emphasize kind of what's supposed to make Tayo an admirable character is his compassion for others. And two, focus on the family. So I like the idea that now has this situation where he's just kind of saying to himself, like, hey, I want to do this kind of selfishly. I realize it's not going to be what I'm going to be able to do my entire life, but I'm able to meet people here and I'm able to have friends. Like, this is what I want to do. And Tayo... Yeah, he wants to have a bit more of a normal life. He wants to freaking go to college. And he's like, I can't, though, because this lifestyle is too da it's too dangerous that I'll be at risk to expose myself so and like you know tayo i mean like yeah it's a very like 
you're the main character. You decide if me, the side character, should have anything to do. Uh, but I, I do like that. You know, Tayo is the one like saying, like, no, you know what? I'm gonna protect your everyday life, and it's such a charming thing that as an older brother, he's actively following around and using like his spy techniques to help keep his little brother in school. Like, it's just such a sweet sentiment that I was like, this is like. The family part of Mission Yozakura family should be the most important part. And this is a chapter that really felt like that they like got that. Yeah. So I really do hope that we get more stuff like this in the near future. Because I imagine that this is not going to last more than one or two more chapters given the pace that Yozakura family tends to keep. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we got like, you know, a, a, like a little story uh, every now and then of like Tayo just doing something with one of the siblings and not just like, this is here's the one chapter nece- necessary to introduce what this character does. Get ready to never see them again, you know? Yeah. So. All right. New series and jump. <laughs> Mori King. Chapter one. Emergence. The pupa turned into a sexy man when it should have turned into a king beetle. That's the series. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that I dislike this manga. It's that I just did not care about it in the slightest. I sorry. It's a comedy series that, you know, is like the joke is that there's a ridiculous premise and there is one sane person in the cast who has reactions to everything while everyone else just rolls with it. That's the joke, basically. There's a couple of things that I actually really, really liked in it. Uh, the moment when... Or two things the, I liked. The, the, so. the moment when he like first is like, Ah, Shoko, Shota, I am Mora King. You two raised. And uh, the little kid runs up and hugs him and in the background you could just see the girl fleeing to the window like it's a great way of framing leave immediately yeah, she's yeah. just like trying to escape the shot essentially it's a fantastic way to frame things um and there's a couple other small jokes that i do enjoy like the fact that all all children are immediately able to buy in like oh that's your rhinoceros beetle who grew up into like a six foot tall dude yeah, she, Sh- Shoko is, is like, what the fuck is wrong with these kids? <laughs> they just immediately believe this guy is an actual insect. I I like that. And I also like that when they do the big insect battle, the beetles at the end grab a stick and write, we surrender. It's very stupid. That's my favorite. That's my favorite part of the chapter is that it's not just because, you know, you, you go into that and you're expecting him to like, you know, and knock them away. But instead he uses his kingly presence because he's the king of the forest to take command of them and they're like we surrender in perfect japanese i guess um the other part of the chapter that i actually was interested by was the fact that there's like a flashback that mori king has to when he was born and they have this entire like you know ah, it's a beetle thing um and then, you know, there's like an elder who says like he, the, his majesty must go on a trial and stuff. And there's like translated text for all the insects. But then there's Mori King just speaking regularly, even when he's in this form. So it's like, oh, I guess he could just always speak human language. <laughs> always. Um, now, all that said. I've sometimes mentioned on the show that there are some ideas that work better kind of as a one shot. 
Because that's, you know, maybe they just don't have the legs. Like, it's just a fun series. You don't need more. This is the ultimate definition of a one-shot. I don't know what legs this series has to try to keep going on. I was like, it's a fun story about a bug who becomes a person and he has a fan. Like, I was like, it's a very cute one-chapter story. I cannot foresee what a future for this is. Maybe it's all about different bug jokes i guess but you did it you nailed it in one wrap it up and go home um i mean from what i can guess i would just assume that it's going to be a bunch of maury king is very kingly and regal shota thinks he's awesome and shoko is like why is everyone fine with this situation? He's a naked beetle guy. And that's going to be it. Mm-hmm. Um, and occasionally she'll make a comment that did that makes me pause. Like, for example, when Mori King appears and he's naked. And I don't know where they get the clothes for him, by the way. Um, but she's like, oh, my God, a pervert appeared in our room. I've got to get show to get out of here before he does whatever it is that schoolgirls have that perverts want. She's 15. How does she not? Never mind. She's very so innocent. there were some lines that made me pause. The only part of this of the chapter that actually made me chuckle was the whole the Beatles going. We surrender thing because it was so unexpected. Uh, other than that, I was just kind of like, OK, so I don't have a lot to say about this. I would guess that I'm not going to have a lot to say about it next week or the week after. But we'll read it at least that long. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that said, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn Chapter 155, Thumbelina Supercomputer okay. Part 5. Let's do it. Now, excuse me for just one moment here. I've got a uh, nice slice of pizza to enjoy just a little bit. I'm trying to prepare my body for all the pizza that's about to come. To <laughs> so I'm trying to get used to it. So I, I ever saw it, I just had to enjoy some, basically. But you know what? I'll, say, I'll, I'll save it for later. not really sure what you're talking about. I mean, why, why, are, are you going to buy a bunch of pizza next week? Is that what's going on? Oh, like... oh pizza will be coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's my house words. Like, Game of Thrones, <laughs> pizza will be coming. <laughs> oh, yes. There will be pizza. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, Sekijo! It's a birthday party for Sekijo. After they mentioned it last chapter, Uega and Ogata host a party for him. And the ghost girl's there, too, because she always is. And uh, Sekijo faints from shock. Because- so got the storyline. The character who had no interaction with her during the main series has to be in every chapter of her story, of course. Also, I do like how halfway through Ogata's arc, like her arc, we're kind of like, this is, this is also the second show story, which is probably the much more interesting story to follow. I was going to say this at the end of the chapter, but I might as well say it now. Okay. So that note from Taishi Susui about it's up to you to determine which is the canon ending. It's not this one because <laughs> clearly you had so little idea of what to do with the Ogata story that you came up with two other stories. <laughs> it's gonna last ten chapters. How many stories do we need to have to make make sure Ogata and Yuika shack up? They have nothing to do with Ogata. They have no interest in one another. 
Ah, uh, all right. So uh, it's her birthday, and Psycho Joe's like, wow, I really don't know what to say. I've always, my birthday's right in the middle of summer vacation, so I've never been able to celebrate with friends before. In fact, uh, I've just never really had friends to celebrate my birthday before with. Uh, you wake her. Aww. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, Uega made her a homemade picture frame because he's a very sweet, thoughtful boy. And of course, he's used to giving people crafts projects because they cost less money. Yep. So, And Ogata got her a board game. And <sighs> Sekijo is very happy because she's like, I'm so moved you made a board game for me. And, uh, well, they go to play the game. And specifically, Ogata says... I made this. It was a good chance for me to practice because there's a board game bazaar covered up. I guess this is supposed to be the crowning moment of her arc is this board game bazaar. Right. Uh, going to an expo. I have zero interest in that going right now. You gotta, the Azokan's got to finish the anime so that they can sell yes. it. So. Uh, so they go to play it. 30 minutes later, uh, she's like, oh, you rolled a five. That means you get five bowls of udon. That's 1,272 bowls. <laughs> So clearly she's made an absolutely garbage game. <laughs> I love that Seiki Joe and Yuiga, they're like already they're like so overwhelmed by how terrible this game is that they're covered in sweat and gloomy. But Seiki Joe just like turns her eyes to Yuga and is like, not a word. Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck don't, up. Don't you don't you dare say anything to my best friend <laughs> that will upset her. <laughs> uh, and then the ghost girl's like, huh, this game's kind this of game's boring. boring. <laughs> and you ain't yells her. He's like, don't call it boring because she says that. Everyone's like, what do you mean it's boring? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so Ogata explains making games is like making Udon. It's a long, perilous journey. And then Chris, someone has... Chris, was I not paying attention to We Never Learn over the past year. Did Ogata get more boring? <laughs> uh, so they start to like give her critique on how to make the game less boring by explaining to her what a fucking game should be. <laughs> like in every fundamental way. They're like, well, you can't just only have positive events because then the game just goes on forever. There should be a clear goal. Also, are we competing or are we cooperative? Because if we're competing, there should be ways to foil each other. And maybe there should be some kind of resource to expend. Otherwise, we're just collecting Udon forever. I know that the joke was that Ogata loved games, but she was terrible at them because she didn't understand how humans think. Mm -hmm. And that was why she wanted to get into literature and stuff so that she could understand human emotions better. She has somehow not learned anything. She, because there, this is August. So she met Yuiga like a year ago, more than a year ago. So what the fuck happened to her? Why doesn't she know any of this now? It's weird because I understand you want to go with the joke that she kind of built a bad game because otherwise there's, you know, you want to play some drama going into this board game bizarre. If that's what we're going into. There's two things that are weird. One, she's so astonishingly, she's bad at the math parts of a board game. Apparently like, that's her like thing. the parts like... that she should be able to understand. But two, she made a board game for Sekijo's birthday that has absolutely nothing to do with Sekijo. So she's not relating to Sekijo on a human level. Like, it's not no. a chemistry been, yeah, board exactly. game or something. 
Or I want to touch Ogata's boobs, Minigame. Yeah. Or or a game where Christopher gets pizza because Nick makes full of specs. <laughs> That's like the final sp- spot on the board is like, you got Chris's pizza. Kiss Ogata and Chris gets a pizza. I'm like, yes! Like, there's like a floating billowy thing over top of like Ogata and Seikijo married with like a, a word bubble that says, we love each other on it. <laughs> Nick, my Chris's pizza. <laughs> And I just salute Sue Sweet from here. I'm like, thank you, sir. You finally have it. Meanwhile, we go to Week Mug Recap. I don't know. Chris is just a board game. She didn't actually. <laughs> that was a dream universe. It doesn't exist It's the non canon ending. I mean, <laughs> the final chapter is like, it's all turned out to be a dog stream. I'm like, shit, I had to give Nick his pizza back. <laughs> and then, like, Snakejo is like looking at the dog and is like, yeah, I don't love Agata. Come on. Like, I just have spontaneous nosebleeds because of a condition. Yeah. I have. They're like, hey, it's a non canon ending anyway. So. <laughs> I don't love Agata. Yeah, I, I want to stress that. <laughs> She's the only girl I'm not horny for. <laughs> so immediately they start to get into work to build an actual fucking functional board game. And oh god, or Uega's like, oh wait, this is supposed to be your birthday party. But Sekijo's so involved with her work because she clearly, really, really, really likes Ogata, so she's pretty happy just helping her out. So he doesn't really say anything. He's like, you know what? As long as she's having fun. Um, the little girl starts drawing flowers on the map, but they kind of look like molecule. They don't look anything like flowers. Yeah. Well, you're like, I guess the dandelions. Maybe. Yeah. But they they clearly kind of look like the the chemistry sim. I don't know what you'd call it. It's like schematic or whatever. I don't know. Chem- chemical compound. Chemical compound. Uh, yeah. yeah. I took dumb dumb science every year in high school, so I never had to go towards chemistry. I got out of chemistry as soon as I could. Yeah. So uh, and secretary looks at you, she's like, oh, where'd it come from? I love that. It looks, it, it's a beauty reminiscent of radical molecule, radi- yeah, radical molecule self-organizing by hydrogen fusion. She gives a thumbs up and he's like, oh, cool. That's when you get things. He's like, hey, have you always loved chemistry? She's like, that's kind of a random question. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I just realized I don't really know that much about you. And she, secretary goes to like a thought process of her parents at her birthday. They're like, happy birthday. Here's your present. You're going to be a smart kid. And she says, you know, once a long time ago, my parents gave me a toy chemistry kit for my birthday, and I really loved it. And you guys like, ah, oh, great. They sound like great parents. Shecky Joe doesn't say anything. And then she immediately is like, ah, oh, never mind that. Let's focus on the game. We're going to create a masterpiece. Blah, blah, blah. Friendship. Yeah. She says friendship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're making a whole bunch of crazy things. The ghost girl's like, yeah, this is great. And then she looks at Sekijo's phone and she's like hey what there's 12 missed calls from mom on there doesn't she want to answer uh, apparently they worked so hard they all fall asleep essentially I don't I feel like the cast of We Never Learned suffers from narcolepsy and they, they do fall asleep in some random places because they're on the freaking hardwood floor so also what kids are going to be like we're going to keep working on this board game until we pass out from exhaustion it's still daylight nerds, chris they're all nerds <laughs> but it's still daylight out like did they just run out of energy in like three hours like oh, let's take naps right here it's 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 summer it's easier to pass out when it's i hot, guess so. um and second is kind of like tugging on to him you know and Ogata's like, hey, what are you doing? I went to go rinse off in the shower and you're being a creep. And he's like, no, no, I wasn't. But Sekijo says, thanks for always being together with me. 
Hmm. Aww. I wonder who she's talking about. Perhaps someone who her connection with goes further than just simple friendship. I don't know, man. She was latched onto Yuiga, so that's kind of like that kind of like pan out badly for you if uh, if we draw that direct connection. Well, she's clearly talking about Ogata, though. Clearly, she's talking about that one friend of Yuiga's who took pictures of cake. <laughs> oh no, <I> <laughs> not, not not cake, dude. Not Instagram guy. <laughs> uh, and then someone comes in. And they're like, a g- 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 ghost. And like, no, I'm not a ghost. I'm Seki Joe's mom, basically. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to bother you. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to speak with uh, Seki Joe and gives her like an envelope and says, happy birthday. Didn't want to be a nuisance. Tried calling. She's like, oh, okay. Did you come here just for this? And Seki Joe's like, no, I was wondering if you might want to move back home. And Sekijo's like, hmm, okay. That's where the chapter ends. Yeah. Hmm. So suddenly something interesting happened and has very little to do with Okata. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I do love that. I was like, oh, there's just nothing between these two characters. Oh. Well, all right, let's focus on Sekijo. <laughs> oh, man. Do you think that, like, when... Uh, Susui was like talking with the with uh, Zed or he was like well I mean you know there are some ideas you know I'd like to see what would happen if like you know Yuika became a teacher and hooked up with Kirisu or you know if he helped Susumi to make the clinic or something like that that's great you could do an any for all the girls yeah yeah I come with something for Fumino too and Ogata right right Ogata right damn it I forgot something ah shit why was um, it can I make girl? it about how her boobs are big? <laughs> because that's like my thing. Like, well, that's my like the editor was like, sir, we can only get one chapter out of that. You're gonna have to do more. <laughs> right, there's a ghost roommate. He's and... like, what other minor characters didn't I resolve their plots for? They're all involved with Sokata's plot. Maybe that one maybe that one kid who's always around or something naughty is happening between you and one of the girls shows up with his mom again and just makes a casual observation. Maybe I can do like their hidden backstory. Where, what's that kid's dad? I'm yeah, yeah. why is the mom always taking the kid out of his dead busy? Is he even in the kid's life anymore? Oh, let's find right. out. Oh, got to plot. Oh, got to plot. I know. Uh, the, the the relationship between Yuiga's friend and the one Fumino club member, I think a Fumino club member. Yeah. Uruka club member, I think, is... I forget who we, I forget who he, they paired him up with. Whatever. <laughs> Story about them instead. <laughs> Just them sitting. How many things can I have happen to the Udon shop? <laughs> to still count as an Ogata storyline. <laughs> like, it's like, we've been taken over and the only way to win the restaurant back is in a skiing contest. And also... The restaurant's burned down, and you're gonna have to put together a fundraiser with the whole town. <laughs> like you're just combining all these shitty '80s movies plots. And then Yuiga turns into a werewolf who plays basketball. That's how he's gonna <laughs> win enough money to help rebuild the restaurant after he wins it back in the skiing competition. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Doctor Stone. Doctor Stone. Let's get Stone. See- Z equals 147, Science Journey. Uh, So we get this little bit of cartoonized history of how 
In the early Middle Ages, the fiercest warriors who ruled the northern seas were us, the Vikings! Ah! And so I do like how there's like an interjection from people like, what, what, what's going on? And Ukiyo's like, they're, they're doing a skip to explain maritime navigation. <laughs> Just like very bluntly like, this, this is what the visual is for. <laughs> we have no time to cover this. Um, but yeah, they basically say like the Vikings would use the sky to navigate even without compasses. What would they do when the sky was cloudy? They would apparently use some sort of tool supposedly called the sunstone, which could reveal the sun's position even when it was cloudy. That is what happens in this chapter, basically. Um, so, you know, we see that, uh, you know, they are maintaining GPS by constantly coordinating with the village in Japan because they're like, it is exactly this time here. And they're like, OK, so the sun is at a different position, according to the sundial they have over there. So from there, we can use that to assess what our different relative position is and see how far we have made it along our journey. Cool. And of course, Senku, you know, everyone's like, all right, this is awesome. And Senku's like, just seeing the sun is enough. As long as the nice weather keeps up, it'll be smooth sailing. <laughs> Clouds rolling, of course. So, you know, Ryusui is just like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to rely on my captain's intuition. But Senku says that if the storm lasts for a while, like just a few days, then that's going to be a huge loss of time. We're lost at sea. And uh, so Suika says, if only we had that sunstone from the story about the Vikings. And Chrome hears this and rushes off and he goes to the Celadon game corner to buy a sunstone using uh, using coins. It's a it's a joke. There's a sunstone in Pokemon. Anyway, he finds a rock and he says to Kahaku, please use your gorilla power to carve this into a perfect prism. She bops him on the head a few times and then does it. Uh, so they've got a prism and with this, it you know refracts the light and it actually works. I don't know how the fuck this device works exactly. I've never heard of this thing before, but I believe you. Sure. Um, holding up to the clouds causes a distortion. And hey, you know, when the lights up, they can tell where the sun is. Cool. It's calcite. And apparently it does this. So um they're like, all right, now we can use it to make the voyage even when it's cloudy. And they sail across the sea. Montage, 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 montage. Cool water effect shots. Hey, look out that really big rock. I like how we see the different reactions of people who, you know, are somewhat familiar with these phenomena from the uh, modern world. And then there's, you know, the people from the stone world whose eyes are fucking bulging out of their heads. Uh, they come across fucking sperm whales. Holy shit. Uh, montage, montage, montage. And we're here. We made it to the American continent, the land ho. And there's a really cool two-page spread almost of all the crew uh, excitedly leaning over the the bow of the ship. So, Yep. <clears throat> this chapter happened. Uh, look. There's cool visuals, but that's... I like that Chrome has this cool moment. The problem with this chapter for me was that the dilemma in it wasn't really something we thought we had to be concerned with at all when they first presented the idea of being able to sail around the world, like charting the course. No one at any point said, Hey, assuming, assuming like weather holds up for us, we'll be able to navigate perfectly. Like it just felt like they kind of created a problem so that Chrome could solve it. 
and mm. it doesn't feel very organic that way, which in another series wouldn't be an issue, but I have a lot more kind of respect for Inagaki's writing mm. that, that something like this is kind of like, it's not upsetting, it's just one of those things like, you know, okay, this just isn't kind of the strongest work of yours. I would definitely, this definitely feels like one of those things where it's like, you know, the anime will get to it, and I'll be like, all right, that happened. Yeah. You know, because it's not, you could easily have completely skipped this chapter from where the previous one left off. And you would not even be able to tell that you had missed a chapter because it presents a problem and resolves it all in one go. So the most exciting part of it is, hey, they've reached America. But yes, like, again, it kind of it's not as though the dilemma leading up to it was all that interesting. Okay, with that said, Chainsaw Man. Chapter 66. Woof. (laughs) So, the Darkness Devil is bearing down on Aki and the Angel Devil, because everyone else is down, and Aki is just frozen. Uh, The Angel Devil looks up at the Darkness Devil, and blood starts to come out of his mouth and nose and eyes, and he falls over. They had said before that devils don't like this fucking environment. So, uh, <coughs> but Aki starts to do the same thing and he collapses as well. At that moment, the spider devil that Makima had sent to look after uh, Denji emerges from the ground, tries to attack the darkness devil, uh, nearly gets a, a grab on him, but a frog croaks. Or a frog appears briefly that has the word ribbit written on it. Maybe it doesn't croak. I don't know. Her limbs fall yeah. off and she falls down. <laughs> so we cut over to where Makima is in the human world, sitting on a pile of doll bodies. None the worse for wear for having touched yeah. them. And uh, she's just she just says, damn, darkness devil, bidding me to come and save them, aren't you? Uh, and the spider devil says, you shouldn't come, Lady Makima. Because apparently, I guess, they can just communicate with each other remotely like this. But Makimita says, Prince, call me. And she does. And a zipper. Zip man lives! (laughs) Zip, zip! uh, Opens up all along her body, vertically. And Makima appears from within her body. And then the darkness devil and Makima point at each other <laughs> i was very I, the the moment i read this chapter i was like resisting the urge to like post these two panels along with like the spider-man meme of him pointing at the clone because yeah because i mean they're just pointing at each other in this one shot <laughs> Um, but I didn't do it because it would have been spoilers and uh, posting very shortly after the chapter was posted. So um, so they do this. Makima's finger breaks. Uh, the Darkness Devil gets hit seemingly way harder, uh, bleeding from all of its heads, it seems, and it kind of slumps over briefly. Uh, Makima calmly walks over to Tolka's body. Uh, the darkness still starts to react. She holds up a hand. Her hand, her entire arm crunches up like paper being rolled up. 
the darkness devil summons the same sword that ki- that seemingly killed the violence devil. She puts her hand on Tolka's head and declares, Hell Devil. Well, she doesn't declare it, actually. She opens her mouth, and words come from Tolka's mouth, saying, I offer you all of myself, so send us back. And at that moment, the sword pierces Makima's body, the hand that had appeared before to cast everyone into this hell dimension reappears, wipes away across the page and everyone and their arms and legs and body parts in general are left on the roof of a building. Maybe it's the same building that I think it's the same building that it was vanished before. Yeah, I assume it's the same building and everything because they the whole building supposedly went. Hmm. So people are running around. Uh, the dolls seem to converge on the actual Santa Claus. And she says, I see that's how it works. So this is the power of darkness. And she is revealed to now be a doll chimera. She says, it's magnificent. I'll come to understand all of it. And she walks, she launches up to the roof of the building to confront Makima. And uh, she's like, oh, how nice to meet you. Makima says, hello, Santa Claus. And she seemingly has been feeding Denji her blood. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what's going on because she's got him, you know, held up against herself and she's bleeding from the nose and mouth directly over his face. And she reaches down to his ripcord and pulls it. Denji wakes up. Chainsaws come out of his body and Makima explains the enemy absorbed a piece of darkness is flesh. No attacks in the darkness will work. Santa Claus rushes forward. Makima says, Denji, will you save me? And Denji gets up in full chainsaw devil form and goes, woof. Hey, he's chapter her. title. So, yeah, cool chapter. It's, um, this is extremely cool. Holy shit, what the fuck is Makima? Like, if you don't finish this chapter and you're sitting there like, what is... They built... They built puppeted a corpse. They like, made such a big deal that the Darkness Devil was not to be fucked with, and she fucked with him real good. And came out like better for it. I mean, she ran away rather than stick around and try to fight. Yeah, the idea seems she basically sucker punched it and then calmly walked away. So (laughs) yeah, the idea seems to be that you didn't want to hang out with him too long. Like she got him out of there pretty quick, but everyone else that tried to interact with him just got eviscerated. They did all their limit breaks and he just walked through them and Makima pointed at him twice and ignored when he thrust his sword through her stomach. Yeah. So, yeah, she's pretty crazy. Like, she's still got her injuries, obviously, uh, or some semblance of her injuries from her fight with it because her arm is still messed up in some way. But, yeah, um, really cool way of dealing with things. I do like that, you know, I, I mean, I like the way that her character works and the way that, you know, she didn't just brute force the thing she was like. Yeah, I'm gonna get us out of here and get Denji up on his feet and let him fight this guy. Yeah. It's crazy good. So. It's 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 super, super cool. Also, we're not fighting this darkness devil. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, let's fuck out. 
Okay, there is no more Seven Deadly Sins, so I guess I'm just gonna power through into Promise Neverland. Everyone's favorite uh, series. <laughs> oh man, uh, I forgot what happened in this chapter. <laughs> I mean, put it to you this way: so you win. <laughs> generally speaking, the way that I prepare for Weekly Manga Recap is uh, nowadays, at least, is uh, as soon as the chapters drop. Uh, I might not even wait to get on my computer. I might just read everything on my phone because I've got the Shonen Jump app on it. Uh, very, very good mobile app designed by a guy that I'm sure is handsome and talented. Um, so. Did you design it? <laughs> Disqualifies me in both counts. So, um, After I read it... Uh, Either the night before or the day we record Weekly Manga Recap, I will refresh my memory by going through the chapters in some form or another. I'll flip through them. I might even reread the entire chapter if I really need to bone up on certain details. Uh, or some, I'll just be like, oh, I, I totally remember exactly how this chapter went. And I, if I don't remember certain details, I want to actually you know, react to them fresh. Uh, so I won't do that. For Promise Neverland this week, I was like, I didn't read this chapter very closely on Sunday. I have no desire to read it again, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So from what it appears, given the announcement at the end of this chapter that we're not getting a new chapter of Promised Neverland until May, it seems as though we're getting ready to just finish Promised Neverland in like the next one or two chapters or something like that. And oh boy, what an exciting fucking ending this is. A cliffhanger if I've ever heard, seen one before. Chapter 175, A New World, Part 2. Louvis is taken over and he's like, ah, oh, the administration's been dissembled and uh, evil blood will be distributed to the citizens and we're going to abolish the farms. And everyone's like, what? Abolish the farms? Does that mean we won't be able to eat humans anymore? And it was like, yep. And the demons are like, why? And he says, this was decided in the promise a thousand years ago that we'll desegregate our worlds and we won't hunt each other, but we continue to eat humans despite it. That is where everything got distorted. Farms shouldn't exist. Because of them, this reign continued. The hail control over you by how they distributed human meat, manipulating your lives and intelligence. And they're like, that's right. <laughs> if we wait a minute, if we have the evil blood, we don't need to eat humans. Yeah, we were afraid that we'd regenerate if we didn't eat humans until now. But if it's human meat, if it were other meat, yeah, I, I want to eat human meat. Human meat's special. But if we allow the farms to exist, we may be able to eat human meat, but someone could use the farms to control us again. Oh, I don't want that. Me neither. It's more natural to have no farms. I guess it's okay. It's only human meat. Okay, yeah, let's get rid of the fox. <laughs> have you ever, you know, I, I, I've never done one of these myself, but I, I know the thought enough that people are like, you'd ever have like, you play an argument in your head in the shower and it always goes exactly the way you yes. want it to. That's. Easily agree with me. No one will be stubborn me, and ignore the facts staring in them in the face. Meanwhile, in the real world, uh, a pandemic is sweeping the nation and the dickhead from Trapped is like, Hey guys, what about the fucking influenza or the pneumonia cases? And you're like, no, man, there's just no way the entire crowd of people are just going to be like, 
Yeah, I guess this completely uproots every part of our life, but yeah, let's do it, buddy! High fives! There are people who took to the streets today to protest the government shutting the economy down to prevent people from spreading the disease and congregating around and basically coughing in each other's faces because they're like, we need germs! And yeah, like, people are fucking stupid. And Lupus isn't talking to a person. He's talking to a mob. There would be a lot of people who would reject this. Like, the government is in chaos, and apparently all it took was people not being threatened for them to be like, yeah, okay. Like, not literally thousands of years of being told the way that the world works is one way, and they're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, I can understand the idea if this was fucking Naruto who showed up, the hero of the city. Like, and I understand Lupus has a lot of that respect in their world. But, like, from the reader's, pre- like, viewpoint of things... Some random antagonist from halfway across the series ago showed back up and it was like, hey. Like if he died showed yeah, up. He was <laughs> like, come on, come on. And everyone was like, hey, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. And everyone clapped. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so everyone says, abolish the farms. Hooray for the new era. Long live King Lewis. And everyone's like, yay. And then Lewis is like, no, I'm not going to become king. And they're like, huh? Why? But why? He's like, I'm part of the old system. I'm also guilty of looking the other way during the old administration's reign. And he thinks to himself, besides, I died of that hunting ground. My call was destroyed then. I was dead for sure. I never thought I'd revive. I had no idea that I also had two calls. <laughs> <laughs> yep now gracefully danced our way out of that one <laughs> handled we handled that one pretty neatly and nightly i'm <laughs> pretty pretty satisfied with it no more no we don't need it anymore we we, we, we were very concise <laughs> i'm sorry i completely forgot about that moment until i was building up to it's like all right <laughs> this hat i must it's good for my image (laughs) so lewis explains i'm not worth it becoming king what the new world needs is a new monarch i believe mujica he is fit to be that monarch and they're like i mean we're gonna kill her but all right some (laughs) random priest shows up and is like remember it was explained why i was important at the beginning of the invasion but i haven't been mentioned in that time anyway i agree seconds uh and they're like oh my god your excellency you're safe yep i am (laughs) (laughs) like if you go back three months there's this cutting chapter where the Sonja, Sonju and Musica get get like defeated and are taken captive. We see the the head priest, uh, his excellency, get taken. We see the parents of two fucking random ass kids just get execution style murdered in a line of people who are all being seen as being evil blooded. And then three months later, and it's just like. 
And everyone clapped. <laughs> it's just one event after another where it's like, and then everyone clapped. It's just in the in the Imperial Army, just like uh, yeah, <laughs> walks away. They're like, I guess we all realized we were bad guys, and we just stopped doing what we were doing. It's like the end of Wonder Woman, where you're just like, wait, so they all just start hugging? I don't, <laughs> I just don't understand. They were at war with each other. So. It's like, as the as the demon pope, I say, I, in Sanju Mojica, have my blessing to rule now. Will you become the new queen? And people are like, be our queen. Rule over us. Be our queen and make a new era. And the demon pr- pr- pope is like, hold on now. Nothing will change just like that. Was only Lagrava Lima to blame? Is the previous ruler the only one count- accountable? No, you citizens were responsible for letting her rule. Also me, but nobody blame me for anything. I'm the Pope. Anyway, that's how they manipulate you. Just a few moments ago, you were chanting to kill the evil-blooded. In fact, if I were to tell you kill this bitch, you'd probably be like, yeah, let's do it. You're very easy to control, is what I'm saying, you weirdos. And they all clapped. <laughs> hey, we're idiots. <laughs> No, you are all individuals! Yes! <laughs> so, he's like, Not only the ruler, but all citizens must think and act! And the new world will be created and protected by everyone! Everyone will create and protect. We will with our own hands. Yes. All hail Queen Mujica. Uh, I don't really know if I got through to them, but all right! Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> kill me please <laughs> i'm very concerned this is like it's like being in the french fucking revolution <laughs> it's also as someone as jay fugle just kind of brought up in the chat it is weird that they just moved into another monarchy that there's basically <laughs> big impassioned speech about everything like we we must all think and act but we should all follow one person at the very top no democracy <laughs> like okay whatever <laughs> so mujica for all of one panel goes, will I really be able to become queen? Uh, become queen, sorry. And Sanju looks at, he, at her and nods. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> Not sent Stannis Baratheon. Nodded to Jon Snow to let him know it was okay to kill the former Lord Commander. Has a nod told so much with so little. So they crown Mujica right fucking there on like, presumably the same platform she was going to be executed on and they're like long live the queen and everyone back in the gracefield house is like oh my god Ujiga's alive and she's the queen now the evil blood's being shared and the demons won't have to be annihilated and then <laughs> I want like one person like wow that worked out really well for us that could not have gone better and they're like, yeah, I mean, the farms will be abolished. And, and even the mothers are like, oh, my God, the farms are no longer going to exist. And all the children's raises food will be free. And people are celebrating and hugging each other and crying. And Anne's there in the front because she's a very important character. <laughs> like, Don's, where the fuck? Is, okay, Don's behind them. He's like, but he doesn't even get, like, top five billing in this group yeah. of, of mostly children. So. So they're all like, yay, we did it. We're not going to be eaten. We're free. Hooray. Bring the bells. Hooray. And they, and Emma rushes outside to where the children uh, who are being kept in Gracefield are. And Phil is there. 
And Emma's like, I'm home, Phil. Took you long enough, bitch. <laughs> what the fuck is taking you so? What's with the goddamn bell? <laughs> I've got things to do out here. <laughs> I got bitches to keep corralled. And that's why we couldn't do a Sean Connery voice for Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I do actually enjoy that there's a mo- <laughs> I'm sorry, like she quick said she's like, we're hoping it's like, where's my dinner, bitch? <laughs> uh, I, I, Good, you can get back to kidding me, my fucking whiskey. <laughs> Good. The well, did you get my did you get my fucking cigars? You were gone for like three years. <laughs> I've kept the stove for you warm. <laughs> okay, I made five films while you were away. Um. I do legitimately kind of enjoy the moment of Emma seeing Phil. This is a very big yes. moment. This was this was sort of a thing that was set up, God, years ago now at this it point. It was, yes. And to finally get the payoff is great. Um, it's weird because this was reminded to us at one point, and the implication was that maybe Andrew was just going to kill Phil or yeah. like... There was some stuff that kind of implicated things might not be going great for them. None of that mattered, apparently. So that's cool. The rest of this chapter is such a fucking, like, I'm writing my exact answer to everything and the world agrees with it. It's like, I mean, I guess fucking go for it. But, man, none of this is interesting or satisfying. Every part of it's just like... And the world agreed, and everyone clapped. It's like, all right, man, go for it, I guess. End it. Just put an end to this. Wait until next chapter when it turns out that Phil is actually secretly carrying on the will of the Rotary family. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Uh, I mean, it, it couldn't be less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, Nick. Let's talk about oh Black Clover, page 247, Battlefield, by, Heart Kingdom. By default, Black Clover can't be the worst chapter this week. <laughs> it can't, uh, but has some equally pointless moments. So, everything's bad in Heart Kingdom. What's her name's attacking? Vaja? I can't remember her name. It'll come up later. Speaking. Uh, yeah, and uh, she's... Uh, Laura Pachika is looking around she's like oh all, all these bad things are happening because everyone's saying like help us the, the princess will help us hurry and she's like oh my god and she's looking at her screens the four of the spirit guardians the people who are so strong that they basically trained all of the characters from the Clover Kingdom to reach their new power levels have all been beaten Apparently. off screen except for the one character we kind of knew and it's like yep cool <laughs> Uh, Noel's like, hey, don't worry. I'm sure they're going to be fine. Focus on protecting your country. We'll protect you. So, hey, trying to try to give her like a pep talk. Yeah. They shared that moment in the the bath. So you know, they're best friends now. We felt we felt how big each other's boobs were. Therefore, we will protect each other with our lives. Women, so. Nick, I don't want to act like I'm an expert on women, but I, I do speak for all Good. of them when I say <laughs> uh, it is. It, it, it is a known fact that when women touch each other's boobs in baths, that they are bonded for life, like a Patronus. 
<laughs> they are firmly entwined with their person for the rest of their lifetime. I mean, Patronuses can actually change, um, but never mind. So, <laughs> Like another reference that maybe I better understand. Nick, I ever told you I only read three of the Harry Potters and then somehow did a book report on the fourth? Good job. Yep. All right. So we meet um, Teehee. I don't know. I don't know if they give him a name, so I'm gonna call him the Great Svenkin. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the Great Svenkin. Oh, it's me, Svenkin. I'm one of Lady Vanica's favorites. I'm going to break your face now. I have the fifty percent devil power. And uh, I like how you were like, I know. I'll do a Scandinavian thing, and then it just became Hans and Franz immediately. <laughs> <laughs> we will pump you up. Uh, I was trying to do Swedish Chef, but it's so hard. He's such a tough character to kind of get into. I'm going to punch this woman in her smirk shares. And then uh, Luck saves them. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> the stupid thing we've done. <laughs> I don't know why this guy was going to just randomly attack this mother. He's like, I'm just going to punch this random Oh, because everyone from the Speed Kingdom is very evil. Just gotta yeah. just punch people, you know. Now it's just Midwestern <laughs> United States accent. Minnesota. Yeah, we're Minnesota there. Yeah, we're just gonna punch the women's now we are. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good magic you got there. <laughs> uh so he's like, Oh hey, uh I'm very I'm very strong now, so staying over there would be the smarter move. And it looks like don't wanna and luck punches him. And lightning, yeah, lightning. yeah, so covers himself lightning, punches him. He's like, Oh, well, at least you're very fierce there, yeah, and then punches him and like ricochets him against the ground into a building and up in the air. It's like, Luck's dead, yeah, like, I mean, he is dead, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's such an awesome shot, honestly. I wish it had been like a two page spread of him just ricocheting off walls. like fucking pinballed across this stupid country. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so Luck does a big lightning attack, and the guy's like, Oh, Tihi, Tihi, and yeah, in my magic skin, let's be. <laughs> Stop this. <laughs> I forgot about this. My skin magic lets me be as tough or as soft as I want. I can change my skin to match my opponent's attributes and cancel out their magic, yeah. Because I, like many other characters, apparently, just have the ability to kind of change my magic to suit my needs. Because why not? <laughs> So he does that. Yeah, so he's like, my body is the ultimate spear and the ultimate shield, yeah. So, no matter what you do, it's pointless. And, uh, he starts laughing. He's, you know, he's talking about how he's gonna do it for Lady Ver- Vanica. She's his idol, his ideal. And Luck's like, that's a pretty lame reason to hurt somebody. And he's like, well, why are you doing it then? And he's like, because I'm a magic knight. And he, he, he Get, he's all bloody, but he puts up his fist and he's got his lightning gloves on. He's ready. He's ready to fucking go to town. It's not a very good line. I kind of like. Look, I kind of like it a little bit. I just, I, I probably am trying to build too much. It is. It's weird that this fight gets introduced to us as. Those four characters who were very powerful were all defeated, but Luck will fight one. And it's like, I kind of get it, but 
it's just sort of weird pacing that we follow like the Yami versus Dante Dante fight that still isn't finished either. Like that's still going on. We're just cutting away to have like luck against him. And it's kind of like this would have been like in Soul Society if it was like, oh my god, Chad's about to fight uh Shunsui. And it's like, hold on, let's cut over to Orihime fighting that dude with like the pinwheel fucking things. And you're like, yeah, that was technically a fight, but like let's not shift or or even like if it was Uryu fighting uh uh what's his name uh Mayuri you're like that's a really big fight there's a lot of emotion to it let's see what happens like hold on let's let's see a character we know kind of beat up some job or opponent for a bit you're like yeah basically you're like all right i mean it's kind of like a weird de-escalation <clears throat> of things but whatever I, i'd be more interested to see noel fighting someone because in this chapter she emotionally kind of put out there hey you're you're troubled you're stressed you're in a lot of conflict right now but don't worry focus on saving people and we'll protect you and it'd been really cool to see her go out and fight somebody luck i imagine we're getting the same kind of element through but because luck has never interacted with these characters really kind of showed up yeah i mean you pretty much covered it it's the same thing that kind of troubles a lot of eden zero fights mm-hmm. is there's like oh, it's just a person and a person fighting yeah i mean as stupid but in that case you know as stupid as um you know the elemental four are at least we knew who they were going into these current fights yeah all right so we're gonna close with one piece chapter 977 the party's off no don't really don't really talk about the cover pages very often on uh on the recap but hey lola and shifan reunited that's very nice. nice Uh, Jimbei just showed up and announced that he was officially joining with the Straw Hats. He gets on board the Thousand Sunny and everyone swarms him, grabs him and hugs him. He's a big guy, so a lot of them can do it at once. Um, and they're like, all right, awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, Nami also talks about how great Jimbei is at uh, steering the ship and stuff. Uh, they start to be like, hey, let's make a toast because, you know, he's joining the crew and everything like that. Um... But uh, Kinemon's like, hey, hey, we 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 need we need to make a plan. Hello, we're going to that island, right? What? Whatever. Yeah, we're yeah, we're gonna yeah, just let's make the plan from over there. No. <laughs> All right, what was it? I want to be sure we know what we're doing on the island from over there. Oh, that was it. Oh, there, Sanji and Zoro are arguing. That's what's going yeah. on. Okay, because Zoro can smell booze, and Sanji's like, no, you can't. He's like, yeah, it's coming over there. No, you can't. So they're all caught up with their own thing. Uh, Captain of the Dog Store Musketeers, full power Shishilian, uh, arrives and he's like, I want a plan. And, uh, okay. Um, Hyogoro is also there and he's like, I will use, I will assume control over the samurai of Wano. Okay. So generals are emerging basically. It's like these are going to be, you know, people commanding the forces and stuff. So they start to get to work. An explanation takes place over what they basically have to do when they reach Onigashima because it's, you know, an island fortress surrounded by uh, mountains on every side. The only way into the island is through the front gate. Then there's that large skull that looms over the island that's part of the mountain range. The castle's inside of it. And in order to get inside, you have to go to a rear gate. So you basically have to get in and then traverse all the way around. Like, you know, it's like invading a castle, basically. So they say we're going to split the forces in two. Take both mountain paths on the left and right and infiltrate through the rear gate. Watch a surprise attack on Kaido as he is intoxicated from the feast. 
Uh, and Dendro's like, ah, that was the plan you revealed in Kanjiro's presence to deceive him. So what's the real plan? And Kinemon's like, God damn it. <laughs> so uh, Law says, assuming the enemy is aware of the raid already, the ones they'll seek to crush are the Akazaya Samurai, plus the three captains, me, Straw Hat, and Eustace. No matter what kind of plan you put together, I can think of approximately two idiots who will charge straight in regardless. Those idiots will be a useful diversion. <laughs> so we'll send everyone down the side path as originally planned, but those soldiers are also a diversion. So how will the Akazai 9 proceed? And Law explains, by the sea. We'll take the submarine around the back, avoid the whirlpools, and keep ships at bay, and I can use my power to send you onto the island. That's a clever way of uh, using his uh, room ability. It's like infiltration. Cool. So... He says that, like, all right. And Kinemon's like, yes, just as I planned it. And Denjiro's like, well done, Kin. You're so thorough and thoughtful. <laughs> the one guy who believes it. I do love that there's just one dude who's like, ah, yes, my my super intelligent friend. And everyone else is like, this guy's a fucking goober. So that plan has been made by law. And told to the Akazai 9 because they're on his ship. All right, so let's put that plan into motion. And, oh, the Straw Hats are already, are already off doing their own thing. I, I do love the idea. Of, like, I can think of two idiots who are going to charge into regardless. And you're like, obviously, it's going to be Luffy and Kid are just going to do that. <laughs> so... Uh, Dendro's like, oh, I didn't warn them about all the guards at the Tory Gate. It's, you know, it's a small fortress at the front of the island, and many of the soldiers are busy having a party there during the fire festival. If they receive word about our raid, then we'll be sitting ducks. Boom, 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 explosion in the distance. And we get this basically two-page montage of the combat straw hats kicking a whole bunch of ass, blasting their way through people while... Nami and Usopp and Chopper poke their heads over the side of the of the Sunny while all their heavy hitters are doing stuff. Um, so there's there's so, a lot of controversy, Nick, in this chapter. Controversy. And when I say controversy, I mean people are desperate for Carrot to join the Straw Hats. And they're looking for every piece that they could find. So they're like, oh, there's scenes where Carrot's involved with all the Straw Hats. And then she was on the Straw Hats ship. I mean, but she's not involved in all the Straw Hats kicking ass. So yes. maybe she's not going to be a Straw Hat. Maybe she is. I mean, the Straw Hats have had a long time, you know, temporary crew members. So maybe she will and maybe she won't. Maybe she's just another Vivi. Mm. Look, I like Carrot. I like Carrot, too, and would like her to stick around. But I'm not going to make, you know. It took 10 years, basically, to get between Brooke and, and Jimbei, so... <laughs> I do... I, I like the idea that there are some people who are saying, like, well, she can't join, because Jimbei's just joined. I was like, I mean, like, there's, Doesn't there's matter. no hard... Robin, Robin joined very... Or Frankie joined, rather. Frankie and Robin joined almost at exactly the same time. If you want to so. follow the chapter title, th like, method, Usopp and Frankie joined in the exact same chapter. Because that was when Usopp is considered to be like fully a member of the Straw Hats and things like that. Right. So. And then he left and then he came back. And yeah. So. Yeah. So it's not worth getting into. There are people who are on the journey with them. And then there are people who are no longer on the journey with them. And maybe they come back and permanently join and, you know, just take it as it goes. Yeah. And but then what would we talk about online, Chris? Uh, recipes. 
Oh. Share recipes. That seems like something like we could occupy ourselves with. Yeah. You ever, you know what? I'm, we can manga recipe. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> we could just change the art of whatever we need it to be. Or the M, really. Weekly munchie recap. There we go. Oh, man. Uh, so, Nick, uh, five second rule. Too short, do you think? I think 30 seconds should be fine. Um, I might be a little crazy. I think it depends. Maybe a couple on... minutes. It Does it change if you step on it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that doesn't help the cause. My legitimate, legitimately, I have fluctuating rules for 30 for a five second rule mm. because, you know, certain foods. No, like if I drop soup, that soup's gone. I mean, like, it's, it's, yeah, it's well, what's the alternative is like you lay, you lick it up from the ground like a dog or you ladle right. it back into your soup. But like if I drop like a cookie then it's like, I mean, it's a solid chunk. So, you know, it'll be OK. Mm. So but it also fluctuates on the surface you drop it on. Like you drop you it on a carpet like, full of dog hair. Like, like a lot of times people, you know, like, you know, drop something on like the table and, there's, you know, it's like, have you cleaned that table any more recently than you cleaned the floor? So, yeah. yeah. And while we're at it, I understand this isn't a popular opinion right now. 20 seconds is too long to be washing your hands. It's ridiculous. It's too long. I ain't got all day to spend 20 seconds washing my hands. It's just not how I it mean, is. I spend 20 seconds washing my hands when I get back in the house after I've been out, but that's basically it. I'm not out and about during doing stuff. I would recommend you it's, veer on the side of caution if you're actually out touching. I don't want to act like I know more than all dentists in the world, but I do. And two minutes <laughs> brushing your teeth is too long. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was time for all that. It's like a shunk, 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 spit, done. We're out of here, right? <laughs> Hold on. It's... You do. There's four strokes and then no more. <laughs> Why do you call them strokes? That's <laughs> what I do. All right. So they get to the Tory gate and the Straw Hats have not heard Kinemon's warning about it or anything. They're like, why are there so many fucking guns on this on this thing? So Luffy realizes this and then he calls over to Kiamon. Hey, we found the bad guys. <laughs> Just beating up all these people. And Zoro's like, found the booze. <laughs> and all the tor- people at the Tory gate have been completely wiped out. All the Straw Hats now have booze that they can toast with. They're like, all right, Tajimbe joining the Straw Hat. And then, you know, of course, the rest of the fleet arrives like, all right, yes, you've cleared the checkpoint. All ships towards Onigashima. Don't let the enemy prepare for our to counterattack. And Luffy's like, all right, yeah, let's, let's do everything with everyone. The party that toasts everything when we beat Kaido and Orochi and Big Mom and everyone. Let's win this fight, and then we'll have the biggest and best party yet. And I was like, yeah, the booze will taste even better then. And then at that moment, someone shouts from behind Luffy, move it, small fry. We're not letting anyone else take Kaido's head. Ain't that right, killer? And Kid, of course, has arrived on the scene. Killer is with him. He's still laughing, even though he's got his mask back. And they say, I'll cut off your head and place it on our ship's prow. You're going to pay for turning our killer all cheery. Now we have to be one of those cheerful pirate crews. And of course, they've got, you know, basically a dinosaur skull on the front of their ship. So I do. That is the dopest fucking mast 
or like uh what masthead is that what they call them i think that is what like the dopest masthead of anyone the fucking like dragon skull or dinosaur skull Mm. whatever that is prow yes so they fly through all the all the ships through the gate uh luffy demands that uh they not let kid get there in front of them uh and now we cut ahead to uh kaido's fortress and there's a whole bunch of people uh drinking together um i believe that might be kaido's dragon form but i'm not in 100 sure i think it is him it might not be though the horns are a different shape i don't know there's some sort of large creature that's drinking with everyone uh and we get more of the shamisen playing uh I believe that this is actually in universe from one of uh, Orochi's attendants. However, it's not time for a fourth act all of a sudden. But uh, uh, then it turns out uh, as Queen announces, yeah, we don't have enough Oshiruko over here. Wait, sir. Big Mom wants plenty too. And then uh, Kaido says, where is he? Where is my son? He should be making an appearance before it's, it's the feast. And uh, someone tells him, all six of the Toby Rappo are present. Shall I bring them in? And Kyle says, good idea. I've introduced them to Lin Lin. Where is she gone? And they say, Big Mom is changing into her kimono, sir. And we see that Big Mom is getting all kimonoed up in silhouette as well. And so Kyle said, and then we we get a bunch of footsteps uh, as people arrive. And an announcement that the Toby Rappo have arrived and they're being sent in. So... Kaido's elite forces are here. Ooh. So. And we know two of them. Yes. We know Drake and we know Page One. Mm-hmm. Who both coincidentally have dinosaur fruit. So I wonder if that ends up being a theme or just a coincidence to two members we know. Um, I mean, you know, Eastman Pirates. Yeah, um, it would, or animal it, pirates, it would so. make sense if a lot of them had animal zones. Um, or ancient zones, rather. There's obviously a lot to like dissect in the like the end of the page with Kaido saying like I want my son. I've heard a lot of different theories on this. Some point saying um, the Mochi guy, uh, whose name I'm just blanking on right now, might huh. be that makes the sense. son between them. Um, but there, there's a lot of things. Uh, Katakuri, Katakuri, that's it. Uh, there's a lot of potential people. Um, it's kind of cool we're getting to see like this whole group this feels very reminiscent of water seven where we had met luchi and khalifa and kaku and then it's like oh and here's the rest of the cp9 essentially and you right. meet the rest of the group and it's like ah so we know some of these characters here's the rest of the people it's crazy because you're like holy shit there could be like 28 fucking fights in this arc like there's so many characters yeah. on both what sides what's gonna happen yeah. So it'd be very curious to see how many of these actually get like real screen time. But yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. I'm I'm pretty pumped. All right. So that is it for manga this week, everyone. Uh we will do something different next week. Uh but yeah, we're going to sign off here after we declare what our favorites, what our favorite chapters of the week were. Chris. <sighs> All right, so my character of the week is Makima. I know that for certain. Mm. My chapter of the week is harder. I'm kind of going over all the chapters mm-hmm. in my mind. I, I don't want to. 
I really don't. But I think... Do it. I th- Do it. I think I'm going to give it... Do it. The Mission Yazakura family. Yeah! I think it was probably the best chapter this week. I think it had to be. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, I look, o- I look over everything and I'm like, there was nothing else that I think was like notably good uh, for its respective series. Um, you know, Chainsaw Man was pretty good, but it wasn't as insanely good as it's been. Dr. Stone was just kind of there. Actage, Black Clover were just kind of there. My Year Academia stuff happened, but it was like, oh, that was all right. We never learn. It's like, oh, hey, a character I care about has taken over the plot from Okata. But that was about it. And then there was the hilarity of Promise Neverland. So, yeah, I think Mission Yuzakura Family wins basically by default. Matchel, I think, was probably the second best chapter this week. And even it wasn't particularly good. Uh, With that said, my character of the week. Ooh. a little bit well while, I might while you're just gotta end up, uh, go ahead i was gonna say while you're thinking i'll say that the audience pick was makima for character of the week mm-hmm. their chapter of the week <laughs> is a tie <laughs> between we never learn and act age <laughs> and you're like if you ever want to know how much the audience loves act age a pretty mediocre chapter can rise to the to the 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 top in a bad week. On off week, yeah. Um, I think I'm just gonna agree with you. I think that that, that Makima is like the only one you can look at. And I was like, oh, okay, this character did something mm. that you know really stood out to me. I guess you could say, you know, like, hey, you know, Mirko had her thing, but honestly, it's just kind of like a carryover from the stuff she's been doing the last couple of weeks before this. Uh, Seikijo, I think, also in terms of like, oh, drama that I care about. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, but that's really about it. Also, maybe Arisa a little bit. Um, she had some interesting contributions yeah. uh, in commenting on Kay's career. That was about it. And then the stuff that happened in uh, Mission Yuzakura Family. There's some char- good character moments in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that'll do it for this week, everyone. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us. We do the live recording of Weekly Manga Recap on twitch.tv slash RoloT Wednesday evenings, sometime between 7.30 and 8 p.m. is when we tend to start. And you can follow us online on Twitter. We are at WMR Podcast for the official podcast account at RoloT and at Nick F. Time are your hosts. Uh, past episodes can be found at Weekly Manga Recap at podbean.com. You can also support us on Patreon, help us create bonus content for you guys to enjoy. I want to give special thanks to everyone who supports us on there, uh, as well as people in the Discord chat. If you want to chip in and make a suggestion for a future manga for us to read, you can go on there. Uh, there is a Google Doc maintained by Ninja XCI, keeping track of all the fun statistics related to the podcast. We are very long running and we have covered a lot of different series, which are tracked there along with people's recommendations and current ideas for new series for us to cover. You can chip in to say, Hey, I also want to see you cover that by adding your voice to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, special thanks go out as well to Steve Mann, our trial card artist. Uh, you can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be shown on the internet, which means not Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Uh, infamous planet for making the frame for the visual stream. And to Milo Jack Stilitz and Winslow Del Cheddar for the opening sequence of Weeping Manga Recap. Yep. 
Uh, I also want to just give a quick uh, heads up that if you are interested in the podcast, Dice Funk, and uh, coming up this Sunday is going to be a one shot that I recorded uh, that is Magical Girl themed. Uh, myself, I am the DM on it. Uh, Kaito, Ace, uh, the letterer for World Trigger, Black Clover, Blue Flag, and many other great series, friend of the show, is also going to be on the show. There's going to be a ton of really fun people on it. It's a super fun episode. I hope everybody enjoys it. So go check that out if you're looking forward to something else to listen to. If you need to kill like an hour and a half or two hours during these days. And that, I think, will do it. We are continuing to make our way through Blue Flag, so perhaps when we return to a regular episode in a couple of weeks, we might be ready to talk about that, but we'll see. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And um, uh, funny tangent to close the show on. (laughs) Brackets. Oh, man. You're right. Kill it every time.